Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The First Watch. My name is Sean Fernando, and I'm super excited to be uh, sharing the next film with you. It's a movie that I have never seen, and I am upset that I've never seen it because it is a fantastic film. We're talking about Goodwill Hunting. We've got a lot to say about it. So let's get into it. This is The First Watch. So I'm being joined by my fantastic friends and co-hosts. And if you haven't met them yet, here they are. First, we have Stefano Basta. Hey, Stefano. Hey, Sean. How are you? I'm doing all right. How you doing? Not too bad. Not too bad. Uh, Glad to be discussing Goodwill Hunting. I know you've never seen it again. Movie I've seen many times. Yeah. I feel like not a lot of movies we've talked about so far. I haven't. They haven't been a first watch. So, uh. It seems like it's it's for you. It's uh it's pretty normal to have seen these movies, but yeah, I just spend my days watching movies, I guess. But uh, this is yeah. a great movie, so I'm glad we're watching it, and I'm glad you're watching it, and I'm glad to discuss. Yeah, me too. And of course, we have Nathan Cantor here. Hi, Nathan. How you doing? Doing well. Doing well. Um, as always, happy to be on. Thanks for once again doing this. I've seen it twice. This was my mm. third watch. Okay. Um, so, but it had been years between. So, I, yeah, it was kind of not exactly like a third watch. It's not like third in a row. So there was a lot of stuff right. I didn't exactly remember. Obviously, remember uh, plot points and how it ends and stuff. But uh, very good, I found on watching it again. Like this one holds up. It's not like it's a one watch and then it loses everything. Very fun movie. Uh, love it. And how can you not love Robin Williams? Um, like right. Just in general, just R.I.P. <laughs> like so sad that he. Uh, did take his own life. I think it was 2014. Um, just such a loss. Like he was 63, I think. He's a national treasure. Yeah, like he was. You know what I was doing after Goodwill Hunting? I, mm. I don't know if you guys have seen his special on Broadway, his comedy special. Um, no, no. It is so funny. It is oh. like you you have to. Yeah. I think it's an hour. And there's some clips on YouTube and I'm sure you can find it somewhere, the whole thing. But it is just hilarious. Like he's one of the funniest guys ever. He is somebody who is, you know, obviously all three of us are 90s kids. We've all been touched by Robin Williams's comedy in many movies. And and I remember watching him on Ellen. And uh, this is before when we liked Ellen. Um, and she she was cracking up. She was crying. I was like, probably like, I don't know, eight, nine, ten, something like that. And I remember I was like laughing so hard at his jokes and he's just such a genuine soul. You know, it's such a shame that he's not here with us anymore. But at the same time, there's a lot that went on behind the scenes that we just don't know and see. So I'm not definitely, I'm not judging that, but man, it is a sad fact that he's not here, but we still get to have his art and that is great. And let's, yeah, let's celebrate that. Right. Of course. Mm -hmm. He he destroyed it in this role. He did it. This was so good. Like, Serious Robin Williams is so good. And I don't think people give that side of him enough credit because we all know his comedy, obviously. But even in his seriousness, he has little threads of comedy. And this film was a good example of that. Uh, one of my favorites is um, when um, Will is hugging Sean, so Matt Damon's character and Robin Williams' character. And um, Matt Damon goes, does this break a uh, uh, patient confidentiality or integrity something like that and rob williams goes only if you grab my ass i was like yes that's so good it's like what a perfect thing to say in this situation so 
But before we get into it, I'm just I'm going to give you guys a bit of a plot overview. But before that, to anyone listening out there who has never seen Goodwill Hunting, well, let me tell you right now, it's a great movie. Go watch it. But if you listen to us before you watch the, the movie, you might be a little bit confused because we're going to try to dig deeply into this film. So we do recommend you watch the film. Come back. We will be here for you. But if not, that's okay, too. Feel free to give us a listen, think about our thoughts, and then head over and watch the movie. Um, but also, we're going to spoil as much of this movie as physically possible. So if you don't like spoilers, this is not the podcast for you right now. But let's get into it. With Goodwill Hunting is a 1997 American drama film uh, directed by Gus Van Sant and starring Robin Williams, Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, Minnie Driver, and Stellan Skarsgård, which I did not know there was a Skarsgård in this movie. Written by Affleck and Damon, the film follows 20-year-old South Boston janitor Will Hunting an unrecognized genius as part of a deferred prosecution agreement uh, after assaulting a police officer becomes a patient of a therapist and studies advanced mathematics with a renowned professor. Through his therapy sessions, Will reevaluates his relationships with his best friend, his girlfriend, and himself, facing the significant task of confronting his past and thinking about his future. The film received positive reviews from critics and grossed over $225 million dollars during its theatrical run against a $10 million budget. At the 1998 Oscars, it was nominated for nine Academy Awards, including Academy for Academy Award for Best Picture, and it won two. Best Supporting Actor for Williams and Best Original Screenplay for Affleck and Damon. In 2014, it was ranked number 53 in the Hollywood Reporter's 100 Favorite Films list. So a lot of things to say, talk about that film, but it is so, so good. I have a, a super quick fun fact it's not really a it was a fun fact for me more so than it will be to most of y'all but i think it's cool uh i know someone in the movie <laughs> no really? way yeah i was um do you know that scene where uh, ben affleck is going to be the um the negotiator like he goes and there's a panel of three guys and yeah. there's one guy that doesn't say anything I know him. Who is he? His name is David Eisner. He runs a, a theater company uh, in Toronto. And um, they uh, use the Toronto Center for the Arts, uh, which actually what was the Toronto Center for the Arts. And uh, I knew he did movies, but I'm, I'm sitting there watching this and I'm like, that's David. And then I, and then I Googled it and I'm like, holy shit, that is David. <laughs> and then oh, I man. waited until the end to watch the credits so I could see his name. But it was like a surreal moment of like, huh. Uh, that's funny because so I watched this film uh, this t- like before we did this chat the third time me watching it I watch it with my uh, my mom and my brother and they had already both seen it already and yeah. there's one scene you saying that reminds me that part of this is filmed in Toronto because one of the uh, the dorm scene where he goes to the dorm it's supposed to be Harvard it's actually the University of Toronto because my mom went that was my dorm and she recognized the way the dorm was because she went to the University of Toronto. Uh, many years ago so yeah the, and then we looked it up afterwards because we didn't believe her we were mm. like no that's not the <laughs> university of toronto you're just you're just thinking things and mm-hmm. and she was right because it says that yeah it was filmed uh parts of it in toronto uh, you know what's interesting is i knew that but i forgot about it because i used to do the double decker tour buses around toronto and that was one thing that i'd say in my little spiel oh. but i never saw goodwill hunting at that time so i didn't it just i didn't care right what flew over my head so that you just reminded me of that. Wow, that's crazy. And I did not know it was filmed in Toronto, but it or parts of it were filmed in Toronto, but it actually makes sense because lots of things are filmed here. You like we'd be surprised, right? So 
Yeah, a lot more. Ne- There's so much filmed here nowadays. It's well, anything that has to do with Harvard typically is filmed in Toronto because Harvard, I don't think, lets a lot of productions film there. So they have to supplement it by coming here because okay. U of T looks a lot like Harvard, apparently. So that makes sense to me. Yeah. yeah, I do know some of it here for this film was at Harvard. So I don't know how much, yeah. like it wasn't all at U of T. Um, yeah. But yeah, that makes sense too, that Harvard would be like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I can see that. Um, one quick, I just going off on facts, just might as well. I just have a couple. Yeah, go uh, for it. So for people, we talked about Robin Williams. Um, I didn't realize this just because he's been in so much. And obviously he's done a lot of comedy, but he's done some serious roles. This is the only Academy Award that he won uh, was this for Best Supporting Actor. He was nominated for four total. They were all for best. This is best supporting actor that he won for. The other three nominations that he got that he did not win were for best actor uh, for Good Morning Vietnam, Dead Poet Society, uh, both of which are also great movies that I've only seen once. And Mm -hmm. I don't know The Fisher King, but The Fisher King is another one that he was uh, nominated for. So I was just like, wow, he's he's only won one Academy Award, which is, yeah, I guess a lot of of comedy. (laughs) Yeah. And and also not for anything, but. Hollywood sometimes doesn't recognize comedic actors as serious actors. And then clearly they're nominated, but they don't win because people are like, oh, that's just, you know, that's just Williams. That's just funny man Williams. But so I, I have a kind of a gossipy Hollywood fun fact. Uh, I don't know if you know, but uh, Matt Damon and Minnie Driver actually dated for a year. Oh, I did not. After this movie. Hmm. And uh, apparently he broke up with her on Oprah without her even knowing. <laughs> It was oh, it was no. like uh, apparently one of Hollywood's worst breakups. He went on Oprah and said, "I'm a single man," and she oh, thought they were in a relationship. No. And the whole world found out when she did. And uh, uh, yeah, just something I uh, I remember when I was watching this. My dad told me that 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 happened way back. So. That's joke. Now this for Damon and uh, Affleck, who obviously co-wrote the screenplay. Was this their breakout? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I was thought, it? I, yeah. They I, were nobody I, before this. I had thought, wow. yeah, Literally. no one who knew. And it, I wonder, what was the, do you happen to know? I, I don't know, like what the next thing they did was and if it even was together. Like, well, I'm just curious. Matt Damon went on to become Jason Bourne. That, and ben Affleck went on to become Batman. <laughs> yes, but that was many years later. I know, I, I know. <laughs> Joking. <laughs> Speaking of the two of them, this script was actually originally a class assignment. Matt Damon was supposed to write a one-act play for a class in college, which turned into a 40-page partial film script. And when he moved to LA, he and Affleck developed the idea and idea into what it is now. So that is cool. That yeah, which is uh, another cool fact is Mel Gibson apparently was almost going to be the director of this. Oh, I have one fun fact: just a line that was improvised. Um, Williams is known for. I believe improvising on set. That's what I think I've seen some things about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so the last line of the movie where um, uh, Will leaves the note in his mailbox and then he reads it um, and you hear the narration of him saying, I'm going to see a girl or I got to go see about a girl. Mm-hmm. The line that William says, son of a bitch, she stole my line. That was just random. Like he did, <laughs> he did that take and he said different lines. Like he said, wow. he uttered, and all of them were improvised and then that was the best one. Well, another fun fact on the same thread of theming, uh, Casey Affleck also ad-libbed most of his lines. Oh, really? I believe that, actually. Yeah, well, yeah, because it said that, like... It's incoherent, so... Well, well, I would say, like, the scenes with them, though, are, like, real. 
they're like raw and like mm-hmm. what are they called they're from southie i guess southie, southie yeah, yeah mm-hmm. like that's yeah like that felt I, that to me is part of why it's enjoyable is like yeah there's a lot of swearing and like mm-hmm. but like the dialogue it was like i could see that actually being a thing whereas a lot of other movies it's like that's written for a film that's written for Hollywood. Yeah. whereas this was like no like yeah it's just a bunch of boys out for some beer well that that scene where they're at the bar and, and he's telling the story of his uncle i cackled because of all the like interruptions and ben affleck be like would you shut the fuck up i was just so like i loved it that's all it for fun facts um so i i let's move on Obviously, like a big part of this film, I, I think like the relationship between Will and Robin Williams character, which is Sean, right? Sean McGuire, Sean McGuire. So I'll call him. I'll try not to call him Robin Williams. Um, Sean and Will, like that's what makes this movie, right? Like the chemistry between them. Um, he helps him grow. Will is afraid to to kind of grow. He's afraid to get intimate. He's afraid to reach his potential, I think, also. So I would say in general, kind of fear is a bit of a theme in this sense, particularly his fear is like, he doesn't want to be abandoned and he doesn't really want to open up. It's because of his past. It's the way he's been risen, um, brought up because he was in a, uh, a foster care. He was, you know, he mentions like he has 12 brothers, but like he never tells her why it's like he was in foster care. He was abused. So I, I think one of the themes would be fear and overcoming your fear, like through growth, through opening up. And it's through therapy that this happens. And I think it's very, uh, well done where you see the progress over the course of the therapy sessions. Um, in fact, they have one therapy session where they don't even talk. Robin Williams just like lets them and like that's on purpose. Like I don't know, like I haven't talked to a therapist about, I, I don't do therapy myself either. I don't know if that's a real thing, but I feel like it would be. Like it seems like you, ne- you needed, he needed to make the first move, right? Like he had been first, the first session, he was aggressive and like you were like, oh, is Sean even going to bother with this kid? Is he even going to go back? He wanted to help him. He sticks with him. Then the second session goes better. Then the third session, like they don't even talk because he needs will to initiate, to, to be willing to do it. Um, so I think personally, again, fear is definitely, um, I thought one of the, there's so many really good scenes, I think, in this film, too many to name. But one I just want to play a clip of is when he's with Skylar and she even says, like, what are you scared of? And they get into an argument. She wants him to come to California. So that is this. Well, what aren't you scared of? You live in the safe little world where no one challenges you and you're scared shitless oh, to do anything don't, else. Because don't that tell me about my world. Don't tell me about my world. I mean, you just want to have your little fling with, like, the guy from the other side of town. Then you're going to go off to Stanford. You're going to marry some rich prick who your parents will approve of and just sit around with the other trust fund babies and talk about how you went slumming too once. Why are you saying this? What is your obsession with this money? My father died when I was 13 and I inherited this money. You don't think every day I wake up and I wish that I could give it back. I would give it back in a second if it meant I could have one more day with him. But I can't. And that's my life and I deal with it. So don't put your shit on me when you're the one that's afraid. I'm afraid. What, what, what am I afraid of? What the fuck am I afraid of? You're afraid of? of me. You're afraid that I won't love you back. You know what? I'm afraid too. Fuck it. I want to give it a shot. And at least I'm honest with you. I'm not honest with you. No. What about your 12 brothers? No, you're not going. You're not leaving. What do you want to know? What? That I don't have 12 brothers? 
Yeah. That I'm a fucking orphan? Yeah. No, you don't want to hear I that. Didn't know no, that. you don't want to hear that. You don't want to hear that I got it. fucking cigarettes put out of me when I was a little kid. I didn't know that this that. isn't fucking surgery. That the motherfucker stabbed me. You don't want to hear that shit, Skylar. I don't do don't, don't hear tell it. me you want to hear that I shit. I want to hear it because I want to help you because I want to be with you. Help me? What the fuck? What do I got? A fucking sign on my back that says save me? No. Do I look like I need that? No, God, I just want to be with don't you because I love you. Don't bullshit me. Don't you fucking bullshit me. I love you. So raw. Yeah. It, it just, it really does feel like, like authentic. Like I just, I feel really, I feel emotional listening to this because I don't know, like, it's also like, you know, I think everyone's like personal lives also like are affected by films. Like you see parts of your lives maybe in like characters or situations or scenes. So like, I've kind of experienced something similar to this and get hearing it now again. It, it's funny at the time I didn't think of it, but now it's hitting me in a different way. I guess that's the second watch appeal, right? Like uh, that you, you things hit you differently, but I just think, wow, like this is such a, it's so raw. And like, I feel so bad for her. Because all she wants to do is connect with this guy and try to help him. Like, not as a project, but as a genuine, like, let me help you. And he's there just absolutely shitting on her and saying, you don't know me if you don't want to know about my life. And it's like, that's not true, right? Like, when people care about you, they want to know about who you are and what's bothering you and, and how they can help. It's just like, oh, man, it breaks my heart. Excellent points. Like, absolutely. I, I think that's what I mean, in general, that's what makes a movie powerful, right? Is like how it relates to, to people. And this is, this is just relationships, right? Like, a lot of everyone has at some point, right? We've all been in different types of relationships. So this can definitely hit home. And we, we hear like Sean. So obviously, she's just trying to help him. As you said, Sean is obviously trying to help him too. And there's one other quote, I'm not going to play the audio, but he's, uh, it's when he's talking to the professor. And he says, they're arguing. If you guys remember, they have that big argument. And then Will mm -hmm. kind of just walks in. And he says about Will, this is what Sean says. He says he pushes people away before they have a chance to leave him. It's a defense mechanism. For 20 years, he's been alone because of that. And if you push him right now, it's going to be the same thing all over again. I'm not going to let that happen to him. So this is, again, talking about, you know, Will's afraid. Uh, and Sean does genuinely want to help him get past that through this therapy. Um, which is why kind of a related theme. So that's the fear, but getting past it. And this is, I think, another theme personally is uh, trust and like mentorship, proper mentorship and trust, which Sean provides for him. Without Sean, he can't move past it. Also, without his buddy, Ben mm -hmm. Affleck's character, if he hadn't said that thing about, you know, if I grow up, what does he say? Wake up and I'm 50 or 20 years here and you're still here. I'm going to kill you. Yeah. Like without, without that push, I also don't think Will does what he does and grows as a character and as a person. So I think that, again, the movie being out about the relationship between Will um, and Sean, they have to have that trust. Will mm -hmm. did not have that trust as a kid. So that was why the wall was put up. And now he has that trust. So those are two, I think, of the biggest themes for me. I love that scene. I love that scene of them just like at the side of, a construction side all dirty and tired and will's just saying like this is going to be my life you know like i'm i'm satisfied with this and ben affleck's character just like smacks him on the side of the head and goes are you dumb like 
you have, I mean, he says like you have the a winning lottery ticket, which is ironic because because uh, uh, Robin Williams' character Sean carries a, a lottery ticket with him, right? Like all the time. It's just like you know, this is something for you to to take and run with. Why aren't you? So I love that scene of like that's a good friend. That is a good friend. If a friend will say to you, I will, if you don't take his opportunity, I will murder you. I think that's a good friend because he's putting his own friendship and happiness aside and going, I want you to be happy. He's saying, I want you to have a future. I want you to be happy. And that's really it. And I think he even says like one of the uh, most satisfying moments of my day is when I come to pick you up. And there's that 10 seconds where I'm hoping you have just left. And you're going to go move on to bigger and better things, essentially. And I thought it was lovely that that's kind of how the movie ends, too, is, is with that moment. Going back to the lottery ticket, it's, uh, as you mentioned, Sean, Chucky talks to Will on the construction site about him having the winning lottery ticket, but him being too afraid, back to the fear, Nathan, of cashing it in. Time and time again throughout the movie, we see uh, Sean McGuire with a lottery ticket. And he keeps saying, this is the winner. This is the winner. I guess lottery tickets, So because it was mentioned a few times, I just made a note of it. and did some thinking into it. And uh, I think the winning lottery ticket is basically, I guess, a metaphor for us taking a risk, you know, like with the lottery you play and you probably won't win because, you know, like millions of people are playing. Right. But um, with these guys who going back to the two characters who talk about lottery tickets here, it's about uh, taking that leap and uh, the leap alone is a step towards happiness in a sense, right? Like Sean did indeed have the winning lottery ticket as he chose a life that made him happy, right? Versus uh, Lambeau, who focused solely on becoming the best mathematician there was, right? And Will had the winning lottery ticket, not because of his gifts, but because he cashed in on allowing himself to take a risk, to grow as a person, and to chase what made him happy in the end, which is... That, that's the winning lottery ticket, not the fact that he's super brilliant and talented, right? In the end, he doesn't take the job. He goes after the girl, and that, that's the winning lottery ticket, basically. Well, it's not just lottery tickets. It's also, they have this gambling metaphor a lot. Like when they're talking, when he's talking about, you know, meeting his wife, when Sean talks about meeting his wife, he, he refers to it as kind of like a card game. Like I have, I, I place my bets and the cards are on the table, right? And I think it's, again, that, uh, that idea of, taking a, a risk and a chance because you just never know when it'll pay off or if it'll pay off. Right. I really loved that baseball scene. And of course they set up the office perfectly to reflect that because it's, you know, they have, you have four bases and everything in Sean's office, but I thought it was wonderful because he really told the story so passionately that you believed that he was right there, but he wasn't, you know, and I think it was just so beautifully done. So, yeah, he took a risk and that risk paid off, even though later on in life he had to deal with heartache and hardships and so much sadness. It, it was worth it because he got to spend time with a, a woman who he thought he believed and he knew was his soulmate. Agreed. And uh, it's interesting that Will learns so much from Sean, but I, I would argue that Sean actually learns a little bit from Will as well. And in the end, he even says, like, I'm going to put my cards back on the table. There's Will who never put his cars on the table. There's Sean who did and enjoyed many years, but then lost his wife. And I guess that impacted him as well. But through his experience with Will, he ends up growing too and decides it's time. I'm going to put them back on the table because it's worth taking that risk. Yeah, that's a good point. Asked him about something. There was one, one therapy scene where 
I just remember Will flipped the question back on Sean. And I think it was about him going back into the dating pool. He's like, my wife is dead. That's what he said, right? Yes. Yeah. He just said, straight up, said, yeah, my wife is dead. And like, that was it for him. It wasn't even like, are you going to get remarried? It's like, no, I'm, it's, it's not even like a no, I'm not. It's more like there is no option. The love of my life, the only person I've ever wanted to be with is not here anymore. So that's not even a question. And I get that. I fully understand that. I have a couple other themes I wanted to discuss. I don't know if they're themes, but we're going to pretend they are just for the sake of conversation. Uh, one is simply put, don't judge a book by its cover. Do you notice how many times people are judged early in this film? Everyone judges everybody else before they get to know who they are. So a couple examples of that is um, when Will is doing the equation on the board and the professor He's like, oh, you don't graffiti other people's work. Like, that's hard work and da da da. And really, it was him putting down the answers, right? So, there's that assumption. There's the assumption that when uh, we'll just call them the boys, when the boys are in that Harvard bar, that uh, there's a smart guy and he's like, ooh, look at uh, me. I read a book. Uh, and uh, love and that Will, scene. I love that scene, but Will smacks him in his place. And you don't expect it because people are assuming, look at this, look at these guys all beaten up and bruised. And they're just like, you know, they're just like street kids, right? No, this this street kid is a, a genius. So you, how dare you assume that? There's also the assumption that the assumptions that Will makes towards Sean, because there's that scene where they're looking at the painting and um, Will goes like, Oh, did your did your woman leave you? Did she leave you? Like, was her cheating? But like, really, that's something that's really affected Sean for a big part of his life is his wife dying. So he has assumed a bunch of stuff just based on this painting. And I loved the following scene where I think I believe they're at the park or they're by that like little pond, and he basically brings that up. He says that you looked at my painting and assumed a bunch of shit about me because that's what you do. You you can't go deeper. Yeah, so it's a really cryptic thing about that painting. I guess knowing what we know about Robin Williams and his fight with depression and him taking his own life, I can't help but to wonder if Will didn't really nail that description of him fighting a storm and trying to escape in that scene. It's a little bit cryptic. Mm. Knowing, like, I, I know it's like, obviously, they didn't film it that way on purpose, but yeah, yeah. it's pretty cryptic knowing what we know about Robin Williams and how his life ended up ending. Oh, interesting point, yeah. Will Hunting maybe wasn't too far off, actually. And there's a couple other instances of assumptions, like, you know, a a lot of ways. The professor assumes that Will will take the first opportunity handed to him, and he assumes that he's he's just happy to be, you know, just a nobody, right? But really, it's because Will is terrified. He's terrified of trying to be more than he is because I guess his whole life he was made to believe that he was a nobody, you know, even though he's a, he's brilliant, he was made to be a nobody. And at the end of the day, it wasn't his brilliance that brought him happiness. It was his heart, right? Like he followed love. And I think that is something quite noble, actually. So that was a, a big, 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 big theme that I had was, you know, don't judge a book by its cover. But then I also loved the idea of becoming better or being better than you are, because we see that through a couple characters. We see that, you know, through Will, obviously. But we see that also with uh, Sean and what's the professor's name again? Professor Lambeau. Lambeau. Because they grow too. They grow as as people in this film. They start to understand each other's points a little bit better. 
they by the end they're more comfortable with each other because I think they've learned more about who they are as individuals. And then what is the other one? Um, so they've grown, they've learned, Will has, the friends have, even um the the girlfriend, I forgot her name now too. Skylar. Skylar, thank you. Even she at many points, she has to say to him, I need to learn this for myself. Like this is this is for me to learn and me to grow with. So those are kind of two main themes I took away from this film, but I think there are two important ones. It's funny. I um the second one, yeah, I mean, characters definitely um get better and grow throughout the movie. Although I will say I didn't like Lambeau, like he's a dick, and I think he's like there as a representation of like the academic life and like he I think in a way is the theme of like ego mm. and like ego getting in the way um because he constantly not only does he look down on Will um at first like when he thinks he's a janitor and stuff he looks down on Sean like when they're having that argument he says he thinks that Sean's just mad at him because like he won this math prize and like he thinks Sean's mad at him because like he has the better life yeah like that's not the case quote unquote better life Right. Well, and Sean's like, yes, like, I don't blame you. It's not about you. He said, I love this line. He says, I don't blame you. It's not about you. You mathematical dick. It's about the boy. (laughs) He's a good kid. And I won't see you fuck him up. Like you're trying to fuck up me right now. I won't see you make him feel like a failure too. Mm -hmm. So I think Lambo is like a representation of like, you know, success to them is only one thing Mm -hmm. when that's not life. And I think that's another theme which um, we might get into a little bit more, but I just wanted to throw that out there that like Lambeau to me is like, screw you. He's like the dick and like Sean's life in a different way is also successful. He chose that. I think he said that. Mm, I think yeah. Sean McGuire said like, I chose this life. That is a theme, Nathan. I had that one written down. Uh, I guess the theme is what it means to be successful. And uh, we see that from different lenses, right? Like according to Lambeau, literally like it opens, the movie opens with him putting up that proof for the students to solve. And he says, the person to solve this proof will go on to wealth, fame, fortune, and respect. For him, that's success, right? Sean's definition of success, though, I think is very different. He's more about doing what's right for you as a person and improving yourself as a person. Like he was smarter than Lambeau. Both of them know that Lambeau admits that as well, but Lambeau went on to... I guess, become more successful by his definition. Mm-hmm. And uh, Sean, as you just mentioned, Nathan, was completely okay with that because for him, a more successful life wasn't about winning a, like a math prize. It was about perhaps living a more wholesome life as a person, being with his wife. That to him was more success, helping war veterans. He was a therapist, right? Mm-hmm. And then the other time, I guess, success comes up is when Chucky and uh, Will are having that conversation on the construction site. Uh, Chucky says that he doesn't owe it to himself, but he owes it to his friends to cash in that winning ticket because I think what he said was he'll wake up tomorrow and he'll be 50 and still be doing the same shit. And like you said, Sean, if he sees him there next to him, he's going he's gonna to kill him. Yeah. Um, but so all these people have kind of their own versions of what success is and what you should do with your life. But I think the takeaway is, is that you owe it to yourself to be who you want to be and to be happy. That's kind of the ultimate thing we land on, right? Like all these people can tell you what they believe success is, but ultimately it's what makes you happy that is what makes you successful from that perspective. Like maybe he won't become an almighty mathematician and his talent will go to waste, which will be devastating to someone like Lambeau. 
But for the first time in his life, he's actually doing something for him that will make him happy. He's allowing himself to take a risk. And uh, he's throwing, I guess, logic out the window and what you should do according to maybe academic channels and literally driving across the country to see about a girl. I think success basically is a relative term is what they're getting at. You know, a couple of things I want to say in comment to that stuff. One, I don't think that if we were to continue the story that Will would just end his newfound courage with just going to see the girl. I actually genuinely believe he would, he would, he would very easily find a job and find meaning in his life that uh, through career too, right? Because that's Lambo's mm. whole thing is we got to make him famous. We got to be a thing, but he could be happy doing anything, right? And with a yeah. mind like that, he probably will get the chance to do anything. And you saw when he ripped apart the NSA because of their yes. questionable that's ethics. Great. I love that. But mm-hmm. For Lambeau, that would have been, take it, take it. It's a great oh, job okay. with a great organization. Take it. But he's like, fuck that. <laughs> yeah. And that's the point I kind of wanted to make was, you know, someone like my Stefano, you've known me how long? We've known each other for... Since we were six years old. Since we were about six, which is crazy to think that, you know, we're both almost 30. So it's like, <laughs> damn. <Christ. laughs> so Don't remind me. I know, right? Uh, but, but Steph, you know, you can attest to this. I've, ever since I was a kid, I've always been chasing dreams. I've never chased um, what some others would define as, you know, success, when that is um, a career and a house and a family. Even though I want all those things, trust me, I want all those things. I want them you know, on my own terms, my own way. And trust me when I say I've gotten a lot of flack and a lot of judgment and a lot of um, hatred from naysayers coming around saying, but you won't be successful. And my whole thing is, but I want to be successful in my own way. And I want to find true happiness in life. Because for me, it's like we only have this one life to live, you know, like I don't want to spend it unhappy, frankly, just so I can have things. That's just my personal take on it. So I actually can agree a lot with with um, uh, Will not taking the job and going after his something he is, is that fulfills him, which is this girl. So I'm like, yeah. kudos to you, man. But I hope that he does find success in other ways too. And I think that this is just the first step in that. So for for me, I love I love a good underdog story. This is this is one of those. And Sean and Nathan. Uh, just want to say both of you why I respect you guys so much is because you do that. You're following your dreams. Sean, you're trying to be an actor, songwriter, singer, and you're not giving up. And Nathan, you're living in small towns across the country <laughs> trying to be a broadcaster. And I respect you both so much for that. Oh, thank you, Steph. And you know, thank likewise, you, you know, I, I've always looked up to you, Steph, because I've huh. always seen you as successful, like legitimately, <laughs> right? Like maybe I'm like the the Lambo version. No, so no, 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 no. You don't, you don't, you don't, but you don't go around to people and say, like, you know, your life is is shit. Mine is beautiful. Look at what I have, right? Yeah. So you're you're supporting your friends and and you know how much we value what we do. So you're not a Lambo, but you are. I would say you're more on the line of what stereotypically we would see as success, right? Like good job to a, to an extent wealth, you know, like you're, 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 you have a, a wonderful girlfriend, like you have all these things, right. That are like, that maybe someone like Nathan or myself who are currently looking for those things might see and be like, man, I wish I chose that path. But then again, I don't think either one of us would be happy or fulfilled even, um, yeah. you know, so what you guys uh, are doing 
takes way more courage. So, <laughs> well, thank you. Well, I, I guess on that point, though, I think the reason why the Lambeau way, it, like that is the normal way because we live in a society where like money, sorry, like money is the goal. Like that, that's sadly, that's kind of the truth. And that's why I always, yeah. I think I said this on another episode is like, this is why the arts are looked down upon and it's bullshit, right? It's like mm-hmm. there are, there's other value in life other than the Lambeau view um, because capitalism is, right? You're, mm-hmm. You make money, you can do more shit, right? You can do things. Well, it's interesting you say that because I, whenever people come at me and they go, oh, you'll never succeed as an actor or a musician or whatever. Uh, sometimes if I'm, if I'm mad and if I'm sassy, I will say, when was the last time you watched a movie or watched a TV show or, or listened to a song? And those things bring a lot of people joy. Look at us here talking about a movie that was made like, what, like 20 odd years ago? Something like that. I know. I can't believe it was 24 years ago. Like, so, holy crap. but still though, right? Like, like those are people who maybe the world one once upon a time shat on and went, you'll never make it because you're an artist. An artist don't make it. And, and uh, something like this has moved so many people to embrace life that it's already worth it right there alone. Yes, money is important and people all, always use money as a benchmark because we need it to, to live in how we live and in this city and in this country. We need money, unfortunately. But um, at the same time, there's so much value in art and I wish people valued it more verbally, not just in enjoyment. Um, and so we, what kind of got this all started, we were talking about success, right? Mm-hmm. Like, how do you define success? Um, just one, like one of my themes is, it's the same thing, but I wrote it the opposite. And now I'm thinking, I don't know why, but I wrote defining failure, which is ah. obviously the, the, the tw- it's the same thing. It's how do you define, it's the opposite. Yeah. how do you define, what does it mean to be a failure? And I think the reason I wrote failure is because Lambeau constantly uses that word. He doesn't want Will to be a failure, but that's just a failure in his eyes, which is not actually a failure. I don't know why I wrote that in in my notes instead of being a success, but it is the same thing, right? Because a success in one person's view, okay, failure would be the opposite. But the same point being, yeah, there are many different ways to be both a failure and a success. But this also ties into one other theme I just want to throw out there, and I want to get your thoughts. It's kind of related to being a success or being a failure. So our main character, Will, obviously has a gift. He's a genius. He's super, super smart. So th- this reminds me of uh, watching this and this talk of success and stuff kind of reminded me of another film, which is Whiplash, which is, uh, again, it's a, uh, a different type of genius, a different type of prodigy. And it's a, it's a musical genius. It's a drummer. And that is all about he's being pushed to his limit by this instructor who crosses a line, but it's in order to make this kid great. And he will only reach this level of greatness if he's treated a certain way and if he's really, really pushed and pushed. And that movie is like, is it worth it? The abuse that he faces, is that worth it? Him going through it because he, he's determined to make it, but he faces some horrible abuse from this, from this instructor. But without that, he would never be great. So is society losing something? So I kind of look at that here and see, Will, he, he seems like he's burdened. There's a responsibility on him to you know, follow in Lambeau's footsteps in a way. And he says he doesn't want it. Like at one point, I think when he's talking to to his buddy, uh, I keep forgetting his name, but Ben Affleck's character. Chuck. And he said, yeah. And he says like, I don't want to be a lab rat. Right. He's like, 
He's like, oh, you'd make bank with these companies. He's like, yeah, but I'd be a lab rat. And he's like, he doesn't want to do that. And so it brings up the question, like, is there, does Will owe anything to at least try to reach his potential? Like, is it, it's his call. He's a person and he has this gift, but like, does he owe, you know, the greater good society, us, anything? Because he could go on to do great things that could make a difference. Like Lambeau, yeah, he's all about, you know, success in, in a very, you know, stringent manner. Um, in a very particular way. But he does have a point where this kid could, I think he even mentions in the film about other geniuses, Einstein and stuff. And like, if they weren't discovered, where would we be? And it's, it's just something I thought of. And it's not necessarily really a theme, but it's like, does Will have a responsibility in some way to at least try to, and it doesn't mean work for the NSA, but it means if he just went off and only, you know, if he didn't use his gift at all, is that a failure in a way is that him underachieving and does he owe anything to you know to make things better i, I don't know it's a discussion point it is a discussion point and that's actually a really good discussion point because uh, honestly like i'm torn with this question because a part of me is like no he doesn't owe it to anybody because he has his own life to live and he has to live it how he chooses but then the other side of me goes I'm not going to lie, a very, very cheesy movie quote popped into my head, which is, with great power comes great responsibility. (laughs) And honestly, this is, it's almost like a superpower, what he can do, you know, like, like argue, I can't do math to save my life. So like, so to think that somebody can just look and like, he also compares it to, is it Mozart or is it Beethoven? Beethoven. But both of them, right? Yeah, yeah. So to me, music coming from a music background and thinking about music I'm like, damn, that's a good point because where would music be without those guys who could just do it, right? I I think I think a part of me, a big a bigger part of me, says he kind of he doesn't owe it to anybody, but I think he deserves to use his gifts. Let's just say it like that: he deserves to change the world if he wants to with his gifts. And I don't think at this current, or maybe not until the end, but uh, I don't think he understood that he was allowed to have that because it's actually even funny. Do you remember that, that scene where they're in some beautiful looking study room and they're all looking at the overhead projector with like those different like transparency slides. And Will's like, no, no, it's easy. Look. And he puts one on and it just like clears everything up. And the one professor looks so mad. And then the, the helper dude has to say, Oh, it's just beginner's luck. It's okay. You're still a brilliant man. It's like clearly like there's a lot of ego there, right? There's a lot of ego in all these people. And for them, they want to be the greats. Will doesn't want to be a great. He just wants to like have fun. You know, he wants to do his thing and have a good time. I think that's also partly why he doesn't want to make it his career at first is because he could just do it, right? Like what's exciting about just doing something you can do. And so I don't think he realizes how important it is. But that's why I'm saying near the end, I don't know. Near the end, he starts to discover and accept more about um, himself, but also accept the fact that he can enjoy his life and he can enjoy it with the people around him and with the mind he's been given. And I, I really liked Sean from that perspective because he was really encouraging Will. Like he was not just... Like Lambeau was more like, you have to, like you have to do this. You must not fail. Yeah. Like you... And he even said at one point that he wishes he never met him just to see him throw it all the way. Whereas Sean took more the approach that like you have these gifts, you can do whatever you want. 
And he was almost saying, like, you have the option. You can. Like, you can make big things happen for yourself. You can work at any of these places. And I, I, I liked his approach a lot better because it wasn't so down your throat, you know? Like, it, it made him seem like he had that option and he could choose if he wanted to, but not to feel super pressured to choose, you know? And I think that approach, in the end, might actually one day resonate with him and perhaps allow him to make the decision to choose that path, you know, like, but on his own terms, not on Lambeau's terms. Lambeau was like, you're going back to jail if you don't do this, literally. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) Sean was more like, you can do this, but do it on your own terms. Like, don't be pressured. And that's what the argument was about, basically, right? And and Sean, you know how at the end you said, where will they be? Like, where, what will we... The way I see it too is he can have both. Like he can find love, find the girl, and be successful in Lambeau's eyes. But like as Stefano said, in on his own terms. Like he had to discover yeah. it, right? I agree. And that's where I think that I think that's where again, if I had to continue writing the story, that's where it would be. He <laughs> would he would find the girl, he would apologize profusely. <laughs> and they would get back together. That scene also, you know, the scene you played Nathan for us earlier, the ending of that scene where he just says cold and bluntly, I don't love you. And then he walks away. I was so, so heartbroken by that moment. I was like, wow, like I can't believe it because he said it so authentically, right? He said it. So, but you yeah. know, you know, he doesn't believe it, yeah. but he, his, uh, his worries are way too strong. His fears are way too strong. So that's where the problem comes in. But man, that was, um, I also wanted to say, I think Sean is the first real father figure that Will's had ever. And I think that's why he, yeah, that's why he's able to break down and sob in his arms because he's finally let that wall down. Oh, that scene was so good. (laughs) There's a lot of good scenes. That was one of them. (laughs) That was one that really, I, I felt that one. I don't know what it was. But I really, really felt that one. Oh man, just like you know, and you could you could tell there's like movie magic because at one point, like you know, Will is like kind of like just kind of glazy eyed, and then they cut away, and when they come back, he has tears, like lots of tears on his face, and you're like, you know, they put some visine in there real quick to like get the tears going. That's how they do it, right? They put in eye drops if you can't cry, but emotionally, oh my god, that was that was probably one of the best scenes in the whole film. Another, I don't know if this is a theme, but something else kind of picked up on is um, like what's holding Will back um, is life experience. Like, yeah, he's a genius and he can read, but I thought one of my favorite scenes personally, and I'm just going to play it is the park bench scene. So you talked about Sean, their second session when they're outside. Um, And so this is after Will has like, he didn't know that Sean's wife had passed, but he really was aggressive and challenged him. And, you know, this is what he did with all the other, therapist before right like he went on the offensive and like played with them um and so now it's the second session and sean just says we're going outside and they sit down and he basically talks about um yeah you may read all these books and you may have a you're a genius no one doubts that but like that doesn't mean you've experienced life he talks about like you haven't been in the sistine chapel you haven't experienced all these things you don't know about real loss because that only occurs when you love something more than you love yourself I doubt you've ever dared to love anybody that much. I look at you, I don't see an intelligent, confident man. 
I see a cocky, scared, shitless kid. But you're a genius, Will. No one denies that. No one could possibly understand the depths of you. But you presume to know everything about me because you saw a painting of mine. You ripped my fucking life apart. You're an orphan, right? Do you think I'd know the first thing about how hard your life has been? How you feel? Who you are? Because I read Oliver Twist. Does that encapsulate you? Personally, I don't give a shit about all that. Because you know what? I can't learn anything from you. I can't read in some fucking book. Unless you want to talk about you. Who you are. And I'm fascinated. I'm in. But you don't want to do that, do you, sport? You're terrified of what you might say. You move, Chief. Obviously, we've kind of talked about how Will has gets past his fear already. So this is where he's not past it yet. It's earlier in the movie. But I, I just thought it's interesting to look at, you know, IQ smart, like IQ points mm. versus like what I call, I guess, like emotional intelligence, um, mm-hmm. which he kind of lacks a little bit at this point in the film. And by gaining these life experiences, you know, about love and relationships and stuff like that and opening up, mm-hmm. um, he's then able to grow. Um, so I, again, I not sure it's really a theme. It's just when I saw that scene, which again is one of my favorites, it, it made me think of, you know, what is smart, right? Mm-hmm. Just because he's a genius doesn't mean he knows everything about everyone. That is true. Since this is like, we've all been mentioning favorite scenes. What are your guys' favorite scenes? <laughs> there's, there's, cause there's so many, right? There's a This lot. is the kind of movie where you can... I, I don't, you know, you're right, Steph. I don't think I have a favorite scene. I mean, I have lots of favorites, don't get me wrong. But I think that's the problem is I, I, I like this. I like a lot of stuff. And <laughs> it's hard to pick one. Um, I think one of my most favorite scenes was definitely, again, the Harvard bar. Because, again, I love, I love when an underdog can come in and just like smack the shit out of somebody you know like how do you like them apples how do you like them apples that's one of my favorites just off that point what's also super interesting that i only caught on the third watch that's also one of my favorite scenes where he mm-hmm. owns the the harvard kid but mm-hmm. based on the scene that i just played where it's like oh will will appears to know everyone about or you know acts as if with this cockiness that he knows everything about everyone by reading a book that's turn it's ironic that we see him tell this kid to F off because he's not actually that smart. And then he does the same thing to Sean, right? Like he, he just regurgitates these books and thinks he knows about your life. Yeah. The guy, it's a little bit different because he's like plagiarizing and just repeating the book. However, the same concept could be applied. And that's again, where he needs to, like, he wouldn't think of that about like, Oh, he thinks he's that kid. He, he, He was not able to make that connection. But I think then when he's kind of told that in his face, it's like, oh, crap. Yes, um, that is the case. But I do definitely love that scene. Um, there's so many other good scenes. But I do think the, the other high, highest one for me is 
the where where he breaks down and says it's not your fault. Like, oh my gosh! Yes, yeah. super yes. super mm-hmm. emotional. I it's just like it made me cry. Like <laughs> like hundred percent unbelievable yeah for me for sure that one nathan and also the whole lead up to it with them arguing the office like that argument felt so heated and so real uh and then they go into the office and finally have a breakthrough with will and it's all just so raw and so well acted like mm-hmm. such good performances all around in this movie really really great movie oh the fight sorry the fight is also top three yeah the Sweeney, fight with skyler uh, and skyler which we played earlier skyler and, and, the, and, the, and the quote the you played too that's also yeah. a really good one. Yeah, there's there's so much gold in this film. And like on rewatch too, it's like, it doesn't lose anything. I can't get bored with this movie. No, <laughs> again, again, another one of my favorites was um, that the the scene at the construction site is, is also yeah. one of my favorites. Yes, 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 yes. But again, like a lot of this movie is, is just gold, absolute gold, right? So just to rewind for a second to your point about being smart, I think it's an interesting point because of the different characters we see in this film and their perception of smart. Because to Lambeau, he's like the smartest. Obviously not next to Will. He knows that Will is a genius, but uh, Lambeau holds himself pretty highly. Uh, Even (laughs) uh, another great moment was when he goes to that like garage looking thing and says, uh, I'm looking for the, you know, a kid that works at, at this building. And then the, the, oh, the yeah. and the the assistant goes, this is Professor Lambeau. And then the um the mechanic goes, this is Professor So and So. And this is another like <laughs> just made maintenance guy. I had a good laugh. I actually laughed out loud very heartily at that one line. So, yeah. but I think one of the smartest people um, who does not get recognized as much as is Chucky because again, Chucky has the knowledge to know that will is going to fuck this up if he doesn't take it that he needs to, to he needs to just pick up his bootstraps and go and i don't think anybody else would have said that to him. Now, that could be other things it could be courage it could be friendship but i also do believe it takes some sort of an intelligence to recognize that life has to be lived outside of the walls you built for yourself so it's interesting question um, about you know smart and smartness yeah. Um, because even as uh, Skyler says at one point, oh my, I think my brain's going to be worth about $250,000 after all this. <laughs> it's like, and even Will says it. He says to, to the Harvard douchebag, oh, you know, you 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 paid $100,000 for education you could have paid $1.84 in late fees for. So it's like, what is smart? We see different kinds of smart in this movie for sure. And it's, I like that, right? Like there is no one definition. That's, that's the point. The same as success. How do you define it? Yeah, I have that as a point, actually, the value of education. Like, how do you, like, attach, like, what is a good education? Like, according to some people, like you were just saying, John, like, $150,000 education for the Harvard douchebag will get him certain places in life. But is he as smart as Will? No, he's not. (laughs) And uh, I don't know. I don't know if it's a commentary on just the system, like, because the way things are, it is kind of like, if you don't go to college university, you will have a hard time. Like you can make it, but it, like you got your work cut out for you. Like it's not, it's kind of like expected almost, but, and we can get into whole educational debate here, which we won't do, but um, like, how do you define what is a good education, you know? And uh, I guess just building off that a little bit, like one reason why I always really like this film and it, 
and this is just a personal thing, but um, like it, it tells me that schooling isn't your worth, basically. And I'm not saying like you shouldn't go to university, you shouldn't go to college and get educated because it's great. You learn a lot of things and you'll probably be better off. But I, I'm guess, I guess what I took from this film was to not get hung up on it, if you will. Like it shouldn't be, it shouldn't dictate your entire life. And uh, like I, I went to a pretty intense program that is pretty good and uh, respected. And they were such smart people in that program, but some of them were like the worst people I've ever met in my life. And I really? felt really stupid in that program. Mm. And uh, I got through it by not comparing myself. Like maybe like they're good at this, but in the workplace, I know I'll be good still. Like they're better at the school part of it than I am, but that doesn't mean that I'm not going to be successful, you know? And uh, I always really liked this movie because of that. It just, affirm that for me step that was university yeah my program was really intense <laughs> mm-hmm. um no i i remember i remember how stressed you were at that time actually nathan remembers the most nathan probably lived through it i'm waiting for you to talk shit about the program <laughs> call it out <laughs> right well Stefano won't i i, I <laughs> but that actually reminded me steph of uh uh when we were in um when we were in elementary school there was a guy who I will I will keep him nameless. Um, okay, you know who hundred percent who it is, but uh, he was an absolute douchebag because he was the smartest kid in the class, and he. I, I wanted, would argue against that. He made everyone believe there was, was a girl who I think was smarter than him, Stephanie. But well, yeah, <laughs> so Steph, yeah, I, I have no problem praising Stephanie. Stephanie, you you smart girl. Um, but this guy was, he was, he was smart. He was really smart, but he lorded that over everybody. And he, he purposely picked on people's weaknesses, um, to elevate himself a lot, but he always led every conversation with, I'm so smart. Like I'm so smart because of blah. I don't have to do any extra work because of blah. You, I'm going to be successful because of blah. You won't because of blah. So it's funny stuff. You mentioned that I, I'm, I'm almost a hundred percent sure he ended up like the same douchebags in your program because they always think of themselves as, as like a God essentially when really they're just like everybody else in some ways and in other ways, they're going to be worse off. Right. Who knows? So I, I probably should have mentioned this a while back when you talked about fear, Nathan, but uh, I think another theme in the movie is that of abuse and its impacts. And uh, I think that fear very much, is because of abuse, right? Like, uh, I believe it was Sean who said at one point that the people he was supposed to trust, like foster parents, beat the shit out of him. And like, how can he ever trust anyone when in your formative years, the people who you're supposed to rely on for guidance, they literally betray your trust and they hurt you, they abuse you and you're in and out of the system. And it really scars a kid, right? And uh, I, I think basically it's another theme and a lot of, like that fear theme that you brought up spawns from that theme. Like because of that, it uh it really affects how Will is today and why he's so afraid and why he won't take risks and I guess let himself open up to people. It also makes that final scene with Robin Williams so impactful when he goes, it's not your fault. Cause uh like maybe he thinks it's his fault. Like maybe he thinks like as a kid, like when you're getting beat the shit out of all the time, like what are you supposed to think? Like, no one loves me. Like maybe something's wrong with me. And 
when he nails down that point, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. He's really going to the root of that abuse, that that self-loathing and telling him to like forgive yourself. It's not your fault. You didn't do anything. It like a bad thing happened to you and it's not your fault. You you see his anger too, like because of the abuse. Remember in the beginning where he like beats the shit of that guy at the basketball court? Like mm-hmm. you can see in his eyes, he was ready to kill that guy. And that guy was a bully apparently to him. Mm-hmm. And in kindergarten. In kindergarten. Yeah, in kindergarten. <laughs> yeah. So like like yeah maybe that guy did a bad thing in kindergarten but you're in kindergarten people like you're young and maybe that guy didn't get deserve didn't deserve to get the shit beaten out of him but it all goes back to that abuse like he was so angry at that upbringing and you saw it come out in that scene very specifically and yeah yeah, i just wanted to bring up that theme of uh, abuse kids always think it's their fault because really they only can control their own selves, right? Like that's why you have to be very gentle and delicate with kids uh, and their emotions because from these situations to divorce to other things, kids will always blame themselves. And I think the only difference is someone like Will has held on to that blame for so long. And I think was never told it's not your fault. I think that's why it's so important and impactful when it's finally said to him, because this whole, the whole time I was sitting there and I'm like, what is he doing? Like, why is he letting go of, you know, the love of his life? And like, really, what is he scared of? Because she asks him and she doesn't get a, a, a straight answer. Right. But really it's, it's because he believes he will screw it up. Is it really better to love and loss than not to love at all? You know, I don't think Will's ever questioned that. I think for him, it's, I can't be loved because it'll always end in tragedy. So why bother? Why try? Why 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 not just live a, a, a basic life that you know I can find happiness in without having to look too far? And yeah, like we we've already said this already, but maybe I'll just spell it out a bit more. But um I guess another theme is take that risk. Like don't be afraid to take that leap of faith. And uh it goes into kind of I don't know if it's a theme per se, but like there's the whole logic versus emotion argument and will will obviously inflicted with a lot of emotional problems conducts himself very logically often right like he's citing this quote and this quote and he's not taking certain risks and opening himself up because he's afraid of the consequences i think it's good to find that balance between the two greatness is not being a genius and doing what you're supposed to do it's taking risks doing the emotional rational thing at times all bit calculated though you know and I think that basically we've already said it, but it's another theme, like just take the risk, uh, a calculated risk. I don't want to tell people out there to do something crazy irrational, but like it could be worth it like to do that. That's all I had for points. Um, I mm-hmm. had a few quotes that I like though. Oh yeah. Let's hear them. You've already brought up two great quotes, Nathan. Uh, just another couple that stuck out to me. Uh, in that final scene with uh, Will and Sean, uh, Will says that he always picked the wrench when it came to getting abused. And Sean goes, why? And he, and he goes, fuck him, that's why. That, I thought that was just so powerful because that was his way of, I guess, rebelling against, I guess, the inevitable. By, But it, it's kind of sad at the same time. Like, he... You saw those marks in the photos and it looked really rough. But um I don't know, that line always just got me. 
if you will. And uh, another quote I really liked was when uh, I guess Robin Williams was talking about his wife. I guess at that point, uh, Will was asking him about uh, Skylar, right? And uh, Robin Williams says, you're not perfect, sport, and let me save you the suspense. This girl you've met, she's not perfect either. But the question is whether or not you're perfect for each other. And uh, I always like that quote. It's always kind of stuck with me throughout the years because perfect perfection doesn't exist, right? It, at least in my opinion. And uh, it's a relative term and perfection is relative, right? Like nothing is perfect, but things can be perfect for each other. And I think that's very sweet. For sure. I think, I, I think we can all agree. There is no perf- there's no such thing as a perfect human being. Like it, it does not exist. I think that's a very important point to make. Yeah, for sure. I just have one more quote uh, mm-hmm. before uh, hopefully we can move along, get to the traffic light system. I have a feeling I know where we're going to go with this one, but one quote that I did like also speaking of Sean and uh, in the therapy sessions, so many good quotes, but a small one was he did say he was talking about like kind of perspective. Um, and he says, you'll have bad times, but it'll always wake you up to the good stuff you weren't paying attention to. Again, it's talking about his wife and it's, you know, the, like, there is no utopia that we live in where it's like a flat line. Right. And if we did, I think that would be boring, right? Like our bad experiences are still experiences and without them, we don't, we don't live. Right. So the bad stuff that we experience makes the good stuff like good. It's what makes it good. It's what makes it better. It's just about having perspective in life. And, you know, we we don't want everything to just be handed to us. Like there is a reason like overcoming struggle and, and stuff like that. Like that's a part of life that's important. And that makes our our happiness, what makes it happy, right? The fact that we've gone through certain other experiences. Um, And so I thought that was another kind of quote that, that hit me as well. I think the same thing. I think that we, we go through a lot of, um, when we go through hardships and when we, when we really feel pain, that's when we could, it's hard to say because obviously if, when people are in it, it's hard to see light outside of it, right? Like yeah. when you are, when you've experienced loss, like he has, or just depression, or you're questioning your own life and, and the value of it. It's hard to see, but once you kind of step away from it and are able to see around the pain, man, life, life is beautiful, right? Like it's, it's, you can really start to notice, like he said, I, I, in my life, and I think all of us have, uh, we've experienced loss, right? Like serious loss, especially death. And I don't know about you guys, but there's been times where, when after that is experienced, you tend to see life differently, right? Either for the better or for the worse. But most of the time, it's like he said, though, you start to pay attention to more things. You start to appreciate more things. Um, when I was in high school, unfortunately, one of my one of my peers, uh, his name was Adam, he passed away. And uh, it's funny, before he passed away, everything was, you know, relatively normal, right? But then after he passed away, a lot of us, started to support each other more people who you've never talked to before all of a sudden you were talking to them and it became like a real like brotherhood i went to an all-boys school so it was like a real brotherhood um but it took a heavy heavy loss to bring people together to see that life is worth celebrating because look at the life we had lost right so i think his character is 
trying to send that message. And that quote really summarizes it well. I remember Adam DaCosta. Yeah, I I think about him every year. And uh, obviously when you're on his death day, but uh, in moments like this too, when I think of uh, loss, there's only a few cases in my life where I've experienced heavy loss. Like that, that's one of them. And there was another one from when I was a kid, unfortunately, but um, and other, other ones too. We won't get into it, but uh, I use his energy and his like his he was just such a good joyous person that i think why why not enjoy life if not for anything just just to celebrate the people who can't be here lastly i just this also i think applies to covid and a positive message is like we're in bad times right oh, now yeah. mm-hmm. so i think when we come out of this everyone should do their best to enjoy the little things that we couldn't do right like yeah 100 big like travel <laughs> like yeah. and and I don't mean like big you necessarily need to go on big like extravagant trips but like that that little thing that you know you maybe thought before oh, I'm too busy for or, or I can't do or I shouldn't do like do it mm-hmm. like um it <laughs> I'm just going to bring this up just because I'm currently watching the show and this is kind of related I think I mentioned this to Stefano so I'm currently watching Twin Peaks and, and and there's a quote from the main character very early on this is not a spoiler but he says I believe you should do one small thing for yourself, like something that you love, one small thing every day. Oh, and wow. for, for him, it's a cup of coffee. Like he, he just loves coffee and it's kind of <laughs> weird. But the point remains that we should all try to, even if it's something like a really good cup of coffee or mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe not every day, your favorite dessert or like some, <laughs> something, you know what I mean? Just the little things. I think everyone nowadays, because I feel like we're in a time where everyone, at least in North America, super stressed out. Like we work all the time. There's a lot of reason to get down on with the where we're at in the world, political stuff, environmental stuff. I think it'd be good if we all coming out of this. Um, obviously, we need to do more to, to try and fix those things, but also to take a little bit of time just for yourself and enjoy the little things in life. I think it's a good kind of lesson. Well, very, very wise points, Nathan. And I think that leads us into our traffic light rating. For those of you who don't know what a traffic light rating system is, simply put, we have a green, red, and yellow for what we think about this movie or any movie we watch. Green typically means that we like it, we appreciate it, we enjoyed it. Uh, dare I say we loved it. So we're giving it a green. Everyone should watch this if, if possible. A yellow is, mm, I'm not sure, or this movie was good, but not great, or I didn't enjoy it, but I can see somebody else enjoying it. One of those type things. Red is a straight up no. Like, just, that's it. Like, just no, don't watch. Don't watch. Don't do this to yourself. So for this movie, I just want to say, this movie, I think, is in my top five favorite movies of all time. Oh, damn. Oh, damn. What's your other four? Uh, I I have to write them down on the list. Uh, And there's no order. There's no order in my top five. But like, I really, really, really loved, man, there's so many movies. Uh, This is your first watch, dude. I know. That's that's how Like, I might. I might watch this like this week. Like, I might rewatch it. It's really great. You know, but just it hit me so hard and it related to me so much. And it really inspired me to just go for just to go for it, you know, like there's take not the many take the risk. There's not many movies out there, arguably, that really inspire you and empower you this way. Right. So um, 
I don't have my list ready to go, but on that list includes like the Wizard of Oz. Um, I think Schindler's List is on that list as well. Uh, I this movie clearly. I also loved. Um, oh man, I remember loving uh, Harry Potter: The Chamber of Secrets. <laughs> That's on my list, uh, and. I think the fifth place spot is currently held by Forrest Gump, but things are shifting because I also love The Godfather, which we may or may not talk about in a week or two. Uh, but uh, there's, a, there's a whole lot of them I love, but those are really up there. But this is one of the most impactful movies I've ever seen. So it is a solid green. I don't think you can get any greener for me than this movie. So there it is. That's funny because I was going to ask, like, should we have green and then like super green? Because <laughs> like, I don't know. There's some, I get it. Green is like, it's an undeniable. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But I think even within that, there's like some movies that are like green and some movies that are green. Yeah, <laughs> and, I, and I think this is really green for me as well, for sure. Uh, never gets old. I get, this was only my third watch, but like definitely will be given it a watch. I think like everyone should see this movie. Yes. An undeniable green. I've seen it. A bunch of times i'll see it a bunch of times more <laughs> every time i watch it it still hits me just as hard really such a great movie and uh like the whole thing of going forward it like I, I wonder if that was matt damon and ben affleck like projecting themselves a little bit because they went for yeah. it they hustled and got this movie made and mm-hmm. it shot them into stardom and it's so awesome and uh just so many good things to say like robin williams knocked it out of the park one of the one of his best performances and i think he was for me the best actor in this movie um, but yeah so many great scenes that we talked about so many great quotes so many many empowering messages um even the ending is so nice just yeah like the car on the highway but he's driving off into the horizon the pastures mm-hmm. look so green and the future looks so bright and uh yeah. Yeah, it's so awesome. And, and he's uh, driving he went... in the car that his friends lovingly bought him yes, and, yes. and put together. It's a piece of shit, but you know what? It's okay. It's gonna it's gonna get him to where it's he needs to go. Definitely, is it though? Is it? It's definitely gonna break down. It's like a fifty-hour drive. <laughs> <laughs> but the engine—I mean, it looked like crap. But they said it was. They it said was it was well good. Built, so they did. they did. And he never took the job, just as Sean never went to see the game. And mm-hmm. sure, things mm-hmm. would have uh, amounted to. A lot of enjoyment when tabled for the chance for happiness, but uh, he had to see about a girl, and uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was just really great. Well, uh, on that note, I just wanted to say thank you guys so much for joining me today, and thank you all at home or in your car or wherever you're listening to this from for, for joining us for our first watch or my first watch of uh, Goodwill Hunting. If you want to keep in touch with us, feel free through our Instagram. It is at the First Watch Podcast. We would love to know what your favorite movies are because we might cover them. You never know. And let us know what you think of all of our episodes. We do have a bunch of episodes that if you haven't listened to them yet, they're up, they're ready to go for you. And we'll release a couple more as the season progresses. But for myself, my friend Stefano and Nathan, I want to say thank you so much for listening and we hope to have you soon.